Hi, and welcome to the Movie Nuts Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Shive, uh, and I'm the administrator of the closed group, The Movie Nuts, on Facebook. So if you're interested in joining and chatting about movies, please let us know. Uh, today's topic is a movie that's been mentioned a lot of times on the Facebook page, uh, and one that probably uh, our resident Andy Warhol-esque movie nut Chris Shelton will chide me for using as a selection since he's discussed the fact that we used to watch it all the time. But I recently, again, uh, watched Alfred Hitchcock's classic Vertigo with, uh, with a little extra eye and some detail. And just want to talk about some interesting things that if you'd like to watch it again and look for that I think are kind of interesting uh, about the whole thing. It's frequently referred to as Hitchcock's most personal, most revealing movie. But I think it even goes a step deeper than that if you want to look at some of the interesting choices of details he makes. Uh, This is the 1958 movie starring James Stewart, uh, Kim Novak, Barbara Belgedes, and if you haven't seen it, you owe it yourself to watch it. Uh, It's it's excellent and very very strange. And I've often thought that uh, the actual events in it don't make a lot of logical sense. There are some gaps in it. It, It's almost it's almost sort of dreamlike or nightmarish, depending on how you look at it. And that have, helps to add to the air. But, but in watching it again more carefully, and especially in light of watching the Hitchcock Truffaut interviews and a few other things, uh, I think it's, it's almost an autobiography of, of Hitchcock's Hollywood movie career and, and intentions right down to the end, uh, which I hope I'm not ruining for anybody. Uh, but at any rate, I think one of the most interesting things about it but it's the sort of obsessive nature, which, of course, uh, Hitchcock loved to use James Stewart for these various things because it was just tough to get mad at Jimmy Stewart even if he was an obsessive, overbearing person or he was a peeping Tom in Rear Window uh, or a little bit of a a weak doctor in um, The Man Who Knew Too Much. But in this case, uh, Jimmy Stewart who was obviously far more charismatic than Hitch himself could ever possibly be, takes this odd role of, of a retired police officer detective who has severe acrophobia uh, that gives him vertigo in a shot uh, famously known now, I believe, as a dolly zoom uh, that shows the, the idea of height being distorted into a frightening level. This is actually also used in the scene where the little boy Alex Kintner is killed in Jaws to zoom in and dolly out on Chief Brody. It's a great effect, and it's used very early in the film and repeated a couple of times. Anyway, besides the pure techniques of it, Jimmy Stewart is the embodiment uh, of Hitchcock's obsession with the legendary Hitchcock Icy Blondes. And I think it, it's very telling, as you look at the way things are said in the movie, as Jimmy Stewart falls in love with the Kim Novak character, who is a character within a character, which to me strikes me a little bit as a nod to Hitchcock, to himself, that these icy blondes are always a character with not dissimilar traits. Uh, he always believed that, that the icy blonde woman gave away a very underneath-the-surface sexuality that was, not in, that was not obvious, but was the underpinning of everything. And the scenes in which Jimmy Stewart tries to transform Kim Novak back from the dark-haired version of herself right down to the very suit his prior lover was wearing, I think are very indicative uh, of Hitchcock's own obsession with taking the starlets he dealt with and making them into this 
uh, Hitchcock Icy Blonde version. Uh, the Grace Kelly, Tippi Hedren, and in this movie, Kim Novak, uh, Janet Lee type of circumstance. And probably Tippi Hedren would be the one that would be most closest to this because effectively without Hitchcock, I don't know that we have Tippi Hedren. But he again transformed her into, into one of his icy, stately blondes just as Jimmy Stewart is obsessed with doing so to, to Kim Novak. And the line that, that strikes me interestingly on it is he says to her repeatedly when he wants her to change her hair, change her appearance, change everything, it can't matter to you, which is somewhat of a reference, I, I would think, to the fact that if Hitchcock wanted, Tippi Hedren as an example, to turn into this icy blonde, and it would make her a star, it can't matter to you what I have you, what I want you to look like, if you're going to become a star, look like I want you to look. And again, Stewart says this to her two or three times in the movie, Im- implying again that his vision of what she looks like is far more important to him than it is to her, which again would be a very Hitchcock type of a thing to say, given that he was so careful with the, the minute details of his films. The other thing about it that I think is very interesting is that Hitchcock was well reputed to have a thing for, for lack of a better word, for all these icy blondes, uh, with no great success, at least legendarily, but he always had a thing for them. And the better evidence of that is actually nothing that has to do with Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak, but rather the very oddly placed Barbara Belgetta's character, who has the sort of oddity name of Midge, uh, who is this, this distinct character placed in the movie at various points uh, and even opens the film with him and I see her as a, a substantial parallel to Hitchcock's longtime wife uh, Alma Revel who was sort of the, the, the brains behind the brain she was, a, she was also uh, part of filmmaking and understood it but in this movie the Barbara Belgetti's character who bears not more than a little bit of a passing resemblance to Alma herself has this very strange, isolated role in the film. Uh, Outside of a few scenes in the, I guess it's an asylum, for lack of a better word, she basically interacts with none of the other major characters except James Stewart, Uh, much as Alma would have not interacted with the remainder of the cast while Hitchcock was making a film, but would rather have only dealt with Hitchcock alone at home in the aftermath. And this isolation and the visual of how she looks... Uh, plus the fact that she actually calls him something different. Everyone else in the film calls Stuart Scotty. She calls him Johnny. Uh, and she knows Johnny, Scotty, better than he knows himself in some regard. But she also is important to him in being able to fight or deal with this fear of heights that he has. But she, he's not. she's not really able to help him do it successfully. And if you look at that as a parallel, again, it becomes very interesting to think of this wife sort of in isolation who reassures and helps and is always there, but the interest is much higher, despite all her efforts, uh, in, in the blonde, in the icy blonde Kim Novak, much as, again, Alma would have been home for Hitch uh, to support him and all of those other practical things while he was interested in the Grace Kellys uh, of the world. Uh, her character is very interesting in that. And if you watch the film and you think of her a little bit in that context, it, it adds a very significant point to the 
very odd painting scene uh, late in the movie. And again, if you haven't seen it, I won't try. I'll try not to spoil it. But there's a painting that figures in the plot, and Barbara Belgettes is a graphic designer or whatever you would be the equivalent. And she ends up using a painting and imposing herself on, and it completely destroys Jimmy Stewart's opinion of her at that point. Um, in the same way, again, that can you imagine if Hitch comes home and Alma has dyed her hair platinum blonde? It's just not the same. Again, this is all hypothesis, but I just think it's very interesting if you watch it again in this in this context. Uh, I also think that if you look at the movie as a whole, the ending, which is wonderful the first time you see it because it's so startlingly abrupt is also a bit reminiscent of what would happen at the end of filming uh, a movie one day you take the last shot and the production ends and effectively other than promotional tours and a few other things hitch would not have any more interaction with one with his starlet with his icy blonde it would just end one day like that and effectively the character of Marnie or Melanie Daniels or uh, Lisa Fremont dies. And I mean dies in the figurative sense that once you're done filming, she's no longer, Grace Kelly's no longer Lisa Fremont. She goes back to Grace Kelly, goes back home, and she is no longer Hitch's character, uh, which would again tie in to the ending of the movie where in sort of a desperate attempt to hold on to her after confronting her in the film which you can take as a simple allegory to Hitch trying to cope with his own feelings about this, suddenly the end is there. The, the, the movie ends, the filming ends, and the starlet dies from the figurative sense. And now you have to make another movie, in theory, to get another, another one back because this person has gone and, and left. Putting all that together, I think, is what makes this uh, properly considered to be his masterpiece, although Psycho is probably more enjoyable um north by northwest certainly is but uh watching this from the whole conceptualization of it being sort of a revealing look into into hitch's psychology uh, and his fascinations with sex and death uh as 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 uh, comprised by these these various women uh, which is, of course, why the, the death of Janet Lee, on top of the fact that she was the biggest star in the movie, um, makes it shocking. But this one's very, very personal, it seems like. Uh, and almost, if you watch it a little bit, uh, smacks of a, a bit of a confession, uh, almost. Or if you if you want to go so far, a little bit of an apology to his wife, Alma, be, because of his legendary obsession with the with his blonde starlets uh to her detriment or at least the detriment of his attentions while making a movie which again i think if you put the the story against the idea of what a, a movie's production requires the various pieces come together very nicely uh early on there's discussions about a situation he looks into it he he picks the the female the girl kim novak he falls for the girl. They begin to try to reassemble her story backwards. Then he loses her, and then the MacGuffin, as was said, comes into play. And then he finds her again, and they, they try to recraft this, but he recasts her in the role of 
herself again. So that's my two cents on, on a movie that I do think is great. Um, I was prompted to watch it again because I got suckered in by marketing. Uh, Walmart has these Art Deco covers for our old DVDs, and I, it was sitting in the Blu-ray section, so I thought, I'll buy Vertigo on DVD or on Blu-ray. And lo and behold, it was just another DVD, but that just gave me an excuse to put it in and watch it again. So I invite you to take a look at Vertigo in the context of what I've thrown out here. And after you do, uh, if you want to comment uh, on the link on the Facebook page to this podcast and what you think, if you agree, completely disagree, if this told you nothing you've ever heard before, anything like that. Um, but I do think it's an interesting movie, and if we're going to be officially movie nuts, it's one that you should watch or maybe should watch once in a while if you enjoy that because I think you can see it in a different light. And for me, anyway, uh, seeing stuff in a different light after watching it multiple times even adds to the enjoyment to me. Uh, also, uh, this week's podcast, let me throw a quick shout-out to our artist-in-residence, Craig Archer, who has designed the logo uh, that we'll be putting on both the website and the uh, the podcast page on Podbean, uh, and also created us a movie nut character that we're trying to name. So, if you have a name for our movie nut, who is a happy peanut <laughs> eating popcorn and watching movies, uh, put that out and we will name him. But thanks to Craig for taking a little time to put that together, actually more than a little time. But um, it's, it's cool and it just adds, I think, again to this discussion group. And I thank everybody for listening and everyone who contributes uh, to this. And we'll be having additional podcasts soon. And again, I hope to schedule some circumstances to get a few more of you on as guests. We can talk about any movie, any type of movie, any director, star, pretty much anything you want because it would be a lot of fun. And I think I figured out how to do this so I could do it over the phone. So if you're interested in that, let me know. Thanks again for listening.